Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 44. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. If you have been listening, thank you so much for coming back. Um, I just want to say thank you again so much to everyone who has reached out and sent messages. I heard from several new listeners this past week and I love hearing from you guys. It just warms my heart when I hear from people who say that the show has been helping them because that's really why I'm doing all this. (laughs) So if you are enjoying the show, please leave a review and a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps people to find the show. But anywhere you listen to podcasts, I appreciate any good reviews. (laughs) I was going to say any reviews. I'm like, well, I would really appreciate them if they were more positive reviews. Um, But today's episode, I'm super excited about My guest is Tara, who is an autism sibling. She is also an autism professional, which we kind of go into that title more on the episode. But Tara is awesome. She has two younger brothers on the spectrum, and they are both adults now. So she has a website called Autism Grown Up, and that's also her handle on Instagram, which is how her and I connected. And she talks about basically just their their lives but also the different resources and support and things that they have found especially for adults on the spectrum as her brothers have grown up so we get into all that on the episode and she shares a ton of awesome information on her instagram and on her website so definitely check that out but without further ado here is my conversation with tara hello tara hi megan you sound great, first of all. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a little worried because I used these uh, headphones with a parent interview last week, and she's like, you're super echoey. Where are you? <laughs> no, you sound just fine. Awesome. Um, well, welcome to Adventures in Autism. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you. Me too with you. Yay. Yeah. So Tara and I initially just connected on Instagram. We were following each other, and... Tara is an autism sibling. She actually has two brothers on the spectrum and she herself is an autism professional. We were chatting beforehand. (laughs) We weren't exactly sure what her title should be, but autism professional, I feel is is a good and kind of encompasses everything. Um, But I'm so excited to hear just like personally your connection with autism and then also like how it, you know, it led you to your career. So if you want to kind of take us back to really childhood you were saying that you're you're the oldest so what it was like for you when you know your brothers were born and maybe when things were starting to to seem like there was something different about them like how did that go for you guys in a family yeah um so yeah I have two brothers on the spectrum 
Tyler and Tanner. You'll find that we're all T names, actually. <laughs> we're, my family's all M names, and my yes. kids are all L names. So you're in good company. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's a rare find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, because I also have a sister named Tasha. So there's four of us kids. So. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I thought it was just yeah. you. Okay, so we got the whole, the T gang. The T gang, all four of us hanging out. <laughs> I love and it. We're also a really big family. It's usually not really common to have days. And even growing up, my family was in a, a military family. My dad was in the Air Force. So that actually kind of shaped a lot of our experiences growing up and getting the autism diagnosis um, because we had those resources on hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm the oldest. Tyler is 27. We're really close in age. And then my parents waited about six or seven years before the last two. And they're about a year or so over close in age. Oh, you guys have quite an age gap then. (laughs) We do. Yeah. So I'm nine years older than my youngest brother, Tanner, and he's 19. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I do have distinct memories of him growing up for sure. It's in comparison with Tyler and noticing differences. And I think by the time Tanner, both brothers were diagnosed like around two or three Mm -hmm. or so, we really were aware what autism looked like because his, yeah, symptoms were pretty distinct. He also didn't have any language at the time, but now he's very verbal it's kind of the opposite um yeah yeah so we went through everything even then and that was like 2002 for his diagnosis I think there was a little bit more awareness in terms of professional awareness about autism and kind of steps Mm -hmm. to take because I think Tyler's diagnosis process as far as what my parents told me it did take a good while and it was North Dakota we lived in North Dakota for both my Mm -hmm. brothers diagnoses and they had military team on staff to help us with that but I do remember having to drive out like five hours to Fargo for my youngest brother's diagnosis and they kind of ruled out everything they first looked at hearing loss Mm -hmm. and different things like that and finally a neurologist um, diagnosed him and then we moved to North Carolina shortly thereafter. So our experience has been mostly in the public schools and North Carolina system. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know each state and county is very mm-hmm. different. Yeah. So I always like to mention sure. that. You find that yeah. it, has North Carolina been, um, is there a lot of services there or is it more difficult? I've heard that Southern states can be a little more difficult. Yeah, that's true. Um, both parts of it. North Carolina is also a big like autism hub state. Oh without us realizing it, we actually came into a state that is actually pretty well known for a lot of autism resources and research. Like there's the big teach center. I don't know if you've heard of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll have to send you info on them. They're very, they've been kind of low, they popped up kind of around ABA did and low boss in the seventies and have a major center here as well as regional clinics across the state, but they're the ones that really put forward the research on visual, visual supports, structured teaching, all of okay, that. Okay. Actually, now that you're saying this, maybe I am familiar. There's so many, there's so many. I know, right? There's so many things with autism, like something will come up and I'm like, no, I don't know that. And then as we talk about it, I'm like, wait, maybe I do know about that. Well, that's amazing. That's like <laughs> local to you guys now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been incredible to have. I think that actually has kind of like a ripple effect with a lot of the teacher prep programs and things that we do have access to here. Mm -hmm. But with it also being a Southern state, uh, we also experience kind of long wait lists. 
um, lack of resources in general, and you will find kind of like resource deserts across the state. So we actually live in, my family lives in Charlotte, and I currently live in Chapel Hill in kind of the Research Triangle area. There's actually more autism resource, resources up here, but less so in Charlotte, but that's like a bigger city. Interesting. So, yeah. It's- yeah really interesting to me since doing the podcast and just connecting with so many different people, you know, across the country, what areas like have more and have less. And like you said, even within the state there, you know, sometimes you like, we are near Chicago. So like we have quite a bit here. We're like pretty lucky. And I think we have a lot of resources still the wait lists Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like it's still, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, But I was recently talking to someone who was more in like central Illinois and they had like nothing. So it is really how mm-hmm. state to state but then even even in each state there you know it just depends kind of where you are yeah exactly and I think yeah that's kind of led us to be a little bit more self-sufficient I think we hadn't been used to seeking out services as a result and we had been on a wait list like as soon as we did find out about Medicaid waivers and those type of things from one of my brother's classmates parents and we're like wait what that's a resource oh. so yeah, we jumped on it as soon as we could, but like my brother Tyler was well out of high school before we actually got services. We waited about 10 years or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. What What do those services look like as far as Medicaid? Just for like, I mean, because I mean, again, your, your brother and I are adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to hear kind of both sides of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of nice too because families that are listening to us now could get on the wait list and maybe get services hopefully sooner yeah. before their child's an adult. So many like autism services, it's like it's almost like don't ask, don't tell. Like it's like if you don't exactly know it, you don't know what to ask for, but then someone tells you and you're like, wait a second, I didn't know about that. Exactly. So yeah, just like sharing all, all that that you guys have been through is gonna be very valuable. Thank you. Yeah, it's so true. I think that's such a great characterization of it, (laughs) of our whole experience with it. Um, Yeah, so you can get, depending again on the county and the state you live in, of course, Mm -hmm. there are kind of like a menu of options that you can look into. And that's how I've also been able to get some like, that's how I kind of dip my feet into autism in a professional way was like working with other families that have this waiver. And so they're like community support options. So you could have someone kind of work one-on-one with your child and you go out, they go out in the community and do work on different skills Mm -hmm. with them. Based social skill based, you kind of put together kind of like an IEP plan, but it's more, it's called a person centered plan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is kind of backtracking, but tell me, cause I know you, you said your, your younger brother had more kind of distinct autism. Yes. As far as like, cause I mean, as, as you and I are well aware, you know, there's no two people on the spectrum are alike. Are, yeah. are did, did they kind of present differently the two of them? And like, what, what is different about your brothers? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. I learned very young that they, yeah, that autism is a spectrum because of them actually. Yeah. You're um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're just so different. It's funny, too, because they kind of personalities are very different mm-hmm. and they actually mimic the sibling that they're kind of in the pair with. So <laughs> Tyler and I are very alike and then Tasha and Tanner are very much alike. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Tanner, he so some of the things that we did notice for him that when he was younger, he did a lot more of and he does 
still some of them to a degree today, but he actually like lined up his toys all of the time. Mm -hmm. Like every, everything in the house actually would be end up lined up in our basement downstairs. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a big sign. And then, um, yeah, he was just definitely in his own world all of the time. Mm -hmm. And those were kind of like major flags for my parents. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but he's definitely grown and kind of is actually, both my brothers are kind of funnily enough, very social. They like to talk with other people, especially about their special interests. Yeah. Yeah. And they're their only thing that I would say of the Venn diagram between the two of them is that they both love Disney. That's the oh, thing. So does Logan. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. They would get along. Awesome. With. That's so cute. Um, and have they always been like that? Like they've always both loved Disney? Yes. So it's like never changed, but Tanner, he will, he's kind of brought in recently. He's more into like eighties movies. He'll look at other DreamWorks movies, okay. things like that. That's really cute that they, yeah I love that it's so perfect and it works too because we're actually going to Disney World I know you told me that oh my gosh have have they been before yes yeah many many times that was like the main spot we could go for a really long time oh my gosh we we haven't been yet and we are like itching to go (laughs) so I think we're still probably gonna wait another year or so just because my youngest is only one so we're like and I think Logan is gonna be into Disney for a long time so like I don't feel like we have to wait too like I feel like sometimes you're like oh we want to get him like you know when they're when they're really into it but exactly he, yeah. yeah he's loved it started with Mickey for him and then like as time has gone on he goes through like different phases with his Disney movies so like right mm-hmm. now he's super into the Lion King and Aladdin but for like a long time it was just cars so we would watch cars like over and over again <laughs> <laughs> but he he also loves Disney so that's awesome oh my gosh I'm so excited for you guys to have your big hey <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, y'all too. When he gets older, and when all the girls get older too, that'll be more memorable for everyone. Oh, for I sure. I I love Disney too. So it's like some. Yeah. And and my daughter loves like the princesses. So I'm just like, oh, we are all gonna have the best time. Um, exactly. Okay, so the only thing that they had to overlap with is Disney stuff. So then mm-hmm. you you just talked about about Tanner. So what what's Tyler like then? Tyler is like Mr. People Pleaser. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> He loves to make everyone happy. He's a very positive guy. Um, I love it. Very laid back. He, yeah, he wants everyone to kind of get along. He's always like kind of the one that kind of can pick up when something's kind of up in the environment around him. Um, But he's definitely like less verbal than Tanner. Both of them kind of have like some echolalia, level of echolalia, depending on, they like to script a lot, Mm -hmm. but Tyler will do a lot of immediate echolalia where he'll just kind of like repeat back to you what you're saying Mm -hmm. to him so we've been kind of building up on his language there um yeah so yeah Tyler he loves school he would stay in school forever yeah that's also like Logan um (laughs) so I mean obviously you know your your brothers and being a part of their lives has, has kind of shaped things for you did you know like from an early age that you wanted to work with with people with autism or did it just kind of fall in your lap how did that happen for you I think yeah over time I did volunteer a lot in their classrooms growing up I knew I wanted to do some type of therapy helping profession role I think it's kind of grown over time and I tried out different things but I ultimately decided absolutely something in autism in college Mm -hmm. 
And that was through a camp. We actually have a camp, a recreational camp here in North Carolina that's called Camp Royal. And they serve local autism residents and from all ages across the summer and year round too now. Okay. I need that really bad here. (laughs) I know. I wish it was everywhere. There are more pops more camps like that popping all over the place that's awesome we had logan in in like a a special needs um day camp this was a a few years ago i think it was actually before he even had his diagnosis um and then since then he he is in summer school so he he'll do summer school but it's only like four weeks long and it happens to run the same time as this other special needs camp because we had a great experience there and it was not just autism but i'm always saying i'm like we need like summer resources for kids with autism because I mean, you know, yes. with your brothers, like summer, summer for any kid is long and like every kid is going to have, you know, some regression, but you know, with my mm-hmm. son, it's like now we're getting close to summer and I'm like staring it down and I'm like, oh, cause it just, it makes me so nervous for, you know, he's not going to have the, the, the social time and obviously the academic time. And, you know, for a kid with autism, like those things are so important. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. truly are. Yeah. yeah. That's like everything. So I'm, trying to pull my resources together and figure out what what exactly we're going to do for summertime. Okay, so you were working at this camp? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, kind of started as a counselor. I was a counselor for a couple years and moved on to activity director and kind of still am involved today with it because I just love it so much. Aww. Yeah, it's an amazing place. Yeah, everyone should just come check it out whenever they are <laughs> down in North Carolina. <laughs> Um, yeah, I even got my parents to send one of my brothers down or we'll try to do a family fun day there. But Uh, that was like the place also where I decided that I really want to focus on working with teens and adults on the spectrum. And, um, yeah, because we had specific weeks based on each age range and I really, that's kind of another spot where I realized there are actually a lot of, um, gaps in resources for these age ranges and we were kind of reaching that space ourselves like I definitely I think even since being a kid I'd always been reading after my parents about different autism books that they had been reading about and doing research online trying to put together the gaps I think that's the big puzzle piece here is like figuring out what's out there Mm -hmm. yeah well like we were saying it's just it's hard to it's hard to know when you don't know (laughs) yes exactly right direction and then really facilitate it yeah that's always amazing to me like we had right after logan was diagnosed they gave us um the number for like the autism resource center like through the hospital that we had him that we had taken him to and there was definitely there was some good resources on there to like get us started but i mean Mm -hmm. obviously since then like i've just learned so much but i'm constantly learning more and it's just amazing how there, there really is a lot out there. I mean, there's not as much as I wish there was, but there is a lot yeah. that you just like, if you know about it, you can access it, but it's like, it's all very hush hush. <laughs> Truly so. And I don't know why that's the I case. know. Well, hopefully by talking about it, we're just like raising that awareness so people know to ask about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So you decided through that camp then that you wanted to, you know, work with, with people on the spectrum. So then what did that look like for you as far as like, you know, going to school and just like getting started with your career? Yeah, so it was actually kind of, it's been an adventure for sure. I feel like I'm still on that (laughs) road there um, and kind of forming my own path as a result because 
yeah, I tried out, well, I ended up getting my master's in social work. My undergrad was in psychology and communication studies. So I thought I could try out maybe school psychology mm-hmm. or clinical psychology. I think those were my two main routes at first, but then I really discovered that they don't really, I mean, they do spend a lot of time with students on the spectrum, but I really, that's this, that was my sweet spot. Like that was the spot I wanted to, the main population I wanted to work right. with. So I I found my way into social work from there because I felt like I really aligned with a lot of the processes within social work and they kind of do like a nice mix of working one-on-one with people and kind of understanding people's strengths and preferences and and interests as well as kind of linking it community wise Mm -hmm. so I aligned pretty well there but I also discovered while I was in that program that um, professionals aren't really receiving a lot of training in autism like we spent maybe 30 minutes talking about autism in my DSM class. Oh, wow. And I was just totally bewildered by it. I'm sure you were like raising your hand like, wait, I have so much to add. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Especially this is the time when they were doing the transition between the DSM-4 and the DSM-5. Oh, and I was okay. like, there's so much to say here. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Totally. So with that, yeah. that lack of training, is that kind of what, what spurred you then in your career? Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to see if there, yeah, it kind of shifted my focus to think about what are ways that I can train other professionals and be a resource for professionals, not just in social work, but other areas, and also see like where I can get my feet wet in autism research because I got really interested in that. And I knew I wanted to pursue a PhD in some way. So I actually found my way onto a research project that was going on at the same university I was at that was um, high, high school focused where they were in high schools across the country training teachers on think, on working with their students with autism and preparing them for life after high school. I was like, ooh, that's right up my alley. Yeah. And I, I actually worked with them for, yeah, the rest of the time my master's and I followed the project to UNC Chapel Hill where I finished and did my whole PhD program there. That is amazing. Yeah. So you are, you're Dr. Tara. (laughs) Yeah. My friends like to call me Dr. T. Oh, (laughs) Dr. T. I love Um, that's incredible for you. Yeah, that's amazing. So after, you know, getting your, I mean, going through that whole process, then you were kind of telling me before we started, like, you kind of have like made your way. Yeah. Um, So what has that been like for you? It's been really eye opening, but I've also been excited by the opportunities, like people and professionals really do want to know for helping their clients and students succeed, um, especially their students on the spectrum and seeing how, how they can support all of their students in general, because I think everyone is kind of at a point where they're not sure of next steps. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the awareness piece may come kind of to a head. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been particularly exciting, but also a little harrowing in some ways, especially as my brothers have gotten off the wait list and are now receiving services and we're kind of like at this place where we're thinking now what what's next um how do we help them and work together with them to build meaningful resources and do you have any idea of what's next 
Um, we kind of are, it's kind of like a day by day thing, kind of like what many other yeah. autism families yeah. are like, um, oh yeah, I mean, I guess meaningful lives, I said meaningful resources, but that too, <laughs> um, kind of, yeah, we're just, I, right now I do respite with my, both my brothers one week in a month, but hoping to maybe do a little bit more, spend a little bit more time with them this summer. And they also go to a day program three times a week. So that has worked out pretty well so far for them in terms of doing something like that, that they like to do during the day. Like my oldest brother, Tyler, loves it because it feels like school. Right. <laughs> and then my youngest brother hates school, but he tolerates <laughs> at best this program and does enjoy it at the end of the day. He does say he likes okay. it. So mm-hmm. it's a challenge to help them kind of expand their interests all the time, but also help them just enjoy day-to-day things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, really helping them to become a little bit more independent at home and working with my mom on that. That's kind of been a, that's been something, an ongoing thing with my mom. Oh, I can only imagine. How how independent are they? They, I would say they do need a lot of supervision and help with things. Like even with taking showers and eating, they need a lot of support with that. But I think with visual supports and other things in place, they can really find independence with that. Okay, gotcha. And when you said that you do respite, do you mean like you give your mom a break and then you come in? Yes. That's wonderful. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it helps. It's hard for my mom to take a break, which I'm sure you can feel that too. Although I feel like having you as a respite worker is probably like such peace of mind for her because they're like, okay, like, you know, I know that they're with their sister, which is like <laughs> someone they can actually trust and like has their best interest. Cause we haven't gotten into that. Um, I- I've talked to a few people recently who've talked more about respite care and, and I think it's a wonderful mm-hmm. service to offer, but like, honestly, at this point, like, I don't know if I could do it. I really don't. <laughs> um, we're lucky that we have like really great like my mom and my sister help us out a ton and they're great with that's great but at the same time like I I don't really trust anybody to be like taking care of all three of my kids at one time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. the idea of like even even my mom or my sister like if someone comes to babysit like it's it's hard to to like relinquish that control you know because you're so (laughs) worried about what's going to happen. Um, so having yeah. a respite worker with Logan, I don't, I don't know how I would handle that. Maybe, it, I mean, I, I feel like at some point we're going to get there, but we're not quite yeah. there yet. Um, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. It takes time. We'll get there. That's one <laughs> yeah. that you are able to give your mom that break and, you know, spend that time with your brothers as well. Yeah. I really enjoy that time with them. What do you guys um, like to do when you're, when you're with them? They, I usually kind of give them options at the start of the day, but we do create a schedule together. Okay. They, they love eating out. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> they, um, and they've also kind of expanded their palate too. So Tyler used to just be like a chicken nuggets, French fries guy, but sometimes he'll eat a burger and we actually have camp to thank for that too, because that was a space where he got to try new food out and like it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so we, they usually like to tell my mom ahead of time where they want to go on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's usually pretty set. We'll either do McDonald's or Burger King mm-hmm. or Wendy's. And then before that, they do, 
they kind of have their routine already set up of places that they like to go. So they just let me know. And they've been to these places so often now. We have like a local, we're, we're pretty close to the mall and other like local shops. Mm-hmm. So my mom frequently goes out there. And I think by now, most of the staff really know my brothers, uh-huh. which is I love so great. Yeah. yeah. I always tell families to do that, like go out there and talk with people that work at these stores because they'll be great yeah, to chat with and greet with my, with, with your kids. Yeah. That's a really good tip. We we're lucky too. Cause Logan likes to go like anywhere and he's like, he's, as soon as we say, go get your shoes, like he's ready to go. He doesn't care where we're going. That's he's ready to go. I know that that's definitely a challenge for a lot of people in the spectrum, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think getting out, even if it is just in little ways, like whatever you can, you can manage at that time, because, you know, I had, I had a mom on recently who I don't think her episode has aired yet, but we were talking about when your kids are little and kind of pushing their limits as hard as it can be that way, you know, once they get to adulthood, like your brothers, like they're able to have that meaningful life because mm-hmm. I mean, meaningful life looks different for everybody, but it's like, I would hate yeah. to think that you know, someone who it's like, they can only be home and they can't, they can't cope in other places. It's like that, that, that isn't, that's not fulfilling, you know? And then I feel like that, that leads to other difficulties. So I love that you said that because it seems like now, like they, they really enjoy it. Awesome. Um, (laughs) They truly do. And it's been a struggle to get there and it is fun to get out there. That's fun for everyone. And it's like, those are the Mm -hmm. things that you know, we, you want to enjoy like as a whole family. And I feel like it's hard when you have multiple kids and, you know, some on the spectrum and some not, cause it's like, there, there are times when you feel like then, Oh, like, what are we going to like? If, most of the time we can take in places, but there are occasionally times when I'm like, Oh, maybe we should take the girls here, but I don't know if we should take Logan. And it's like, you have to just push those boundaries because that's the only way to grow. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you don't know what it may be like for that day. Right. Like it may be a totally different experience than last time. That's totally true. Yeah. You never know. Like day to day things, things can change so much. Um, yeah. That is amazing. So tell me a little bit, cause I know you said that like one of the things that you're really passionate about is autism research. So mm-hmm. where, where exactly does that, like, what exactly are you researching? Cause that is always an interest of, to me as well. Yeah. It's such like a, different space because I think the social science part or like the special education autism kind of like facing towards families and working with families is kind of new to the autism research piece of it Mm -hmm. there was at the time that we're speaking there was like a big conference last week called the um it's called INSAR they forgot the full name of it it's like the International Society for Autism Research Mm -hmm. and it's a huge research group. Um, they have a journal, and but a lot of their research is focused on like those natural science type of things, where they're looking at genetics okay. and they they use like mouse models and rat models, and I'm like oh. that is way out of what I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there. I'll look at maybe sleep spindles, but that's really <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, but what I do typically, and what I've mainly done as I mentioned through like the high school research project was like, it's been mostly on self-advocacy and transition planning. So helping families thinking about life after high school mm-hmm. and independent living and those type of things. And so it's kind of early, there are not like a lot of measures or assessments 
to help guide us and see like where um, a teen with autism is right now in terms of all of these domains. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of learning how to measure those. And I worked with a couple other folks during my master's program to apply kind of like a self-advocacy curriculum with high schoolers to help them request accommodations while they're in college. And that was really great. That was fun research to do because I felt like it was actually had an immediate impact. That student was able to ask for resources from his teacher when he was in school too. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that you say self-advocacy because I feel like that's the like ultimate goal, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. That's like the zenith, the top of the triangle, I think, Yeah, for all of these skills. And that's actually what I did my dissertation on. Um, so I used the, it was like a big stats analysis of uh, looking at what are some factors that can predict a teen with autism self-determination, which kind of is interchangeable with self-advocacy. And I looked at like personal factors and I looked at family factors and I really found that actually there were a lot of things impacting self-advocacy that we haven't really talked about. Well, yeah, like, tell me what you mean. Uh, oh yeah, I'll get into it. I'm so excited. About <laughs> <laughs> I nerd out about this. I'm like, right, let me get into my dissertation. <laughs> um, I'm so happy we got into this. Um, so like for families, I think you will really get into is uh, parents' expectations of their child's self-advocacy have is huge is a huge significant predictor. Like, like parents feeling comfortable or confident that their child has self-advocacy skills or can practice those, it just says so much. Like parent expectations mean a lot to their oh, kids because yeah. they can feel it and it's modeled for them. Um, and that's also seen in I also looked at parent empowerment and that was a similar thing too. So families that also model being empowered and seeking out services and resources and advocating really have an impact on their kids where they can feel more like a self-advocate themselves or they're building on those skills. Well, that's um, exciting then, to me. <laughs> yes, definitely. So have high expectations of Logan and what he can ask for. Yeah. I always yeah like that and I I've talked to this before like there's so many times when I feel like mm, I'm not sure like how this is gonna go and and yes. then he surprises me with so many things so I I've learned that and I'm still learning that that it's like you you don't want to set the expectations too high and then you feel let down but it's like you you mm -hmm. do want to like push it a little bit because it's amazing like what they are capable of that you don't even realize it's so true yeah and there's just like kind of an unpredictability with what um what may be what may happen too yeah so like even with like uneven skills or things like that that people often talk in academia but like I don't know a kid with autism can is a lot of kids with autism are pretty smart but a lot of measures don't capture that yes that's totally true yeah there's a lot of times when it's like you're like I took Logan to his um his like six year checkup and you know they ask you like really standard questions that they would ask like of any six year old and it's frustrating to me to answer questions like that because you know it's it's like things that like a typical six year old would have no issue with like being able to like you know draw like certain shapes or things like that that like Logan mm -hmm. isn't able to do that and it's frustrating because I'm like okay well no he can't do that but like 
he can do all these other things that like, don't, yes. that don't seem to matter to, to other people. But I'm like, these are huge. We work so hard for these yeah. things. Um, but it is like you you have to you have to push it a little bit. Like we were at his his IEP meeting just last week, and the OT was telling me some of the goals that she had for him. Um, and one of the main goals was to like independently be able to write his name. And I mean, that is definitely like uh, a challenge for him. And he's getting, he's getting really good when he has like just a little bit of not even hand over hand, but if you just kind of like have your hand like there for him to know it's there, he will like, you can feel him like making the right movements to draw his name, but it's not exactly legible. If he has like, or hand yeah. over hand, it, he can get it like really to the point of legible. So we're trying to get it to the point where he can like independently do that. We know what it means. And she was saying, she's like, I feel like this is like kind of a stretch goal, but she's like, I really, I really feel like he can do it. We just need to, you know, focus and motivate him properly. And I was, I'm like, I think that sometimes you have to kind of reach for the stars and, you know, obviously put the work in behind it, but. Yeah. There's so many times, yeah, where I feel like, oh, like, I, I'm not sure if he's going to do that. And then he just surprises me out of nowhere and pulls out these skills that I didn't even realize he had. So in that way, I'm like, yeah, like, let's let's try to push it and, and see what happens. And, and if we don't get there, that's fine, too. But yeah. you, you never know until you try. Definitely. That's it. That's like my catchphrase. You don't oh. know until you try. <laughs> it's so true. It's so and true. even with um, yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on with you, because we were talking this a little bit beforehand, is, you know, I was saying, like, obviously, the, the sibling perspective to me is so, so important, because, I mean, especially you as, like, the oldest sibling, like, you have lived with autism your whole life. And I always think about my daughters and just, like, how this is going to impact them. Can you share a little bit, like, about just your relationship with your brothers and, like, overall with, with being a part of this community and, like, how that has affected you? Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, yeah, so I mentioned that I do get to spend some time with my brothers every now and again, um, but I do really wish I could spend more time with them. We're a very, very close family, and I think that's just been a result of like what our life experiences have been like um, from being in the military and kind of being by ourselves in North, North Dakota to moving down here a little bit closer to family, but still kind of... Uh, operating as our own family unit um I think it's really really shaped my relationship with my brothers and that I'm kind of an additional caregiver on site and in case anything happens um yeah and I'm also kind of like their go-to person for communication and different things like that I think it's kind of difficult sometimes to hear or make out clearly what my brothers are saying Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of one of the few people that can kind of it's kind of interpreting for them or to other people whenever they're like coming up to someone new and they're like let me tell you about this Disney movie (laughs) and like Tanner recently has done a whole he's an artist too he likes to draw out different Disney characters and he likes to we FaceTime every single night as a family so he will share with me the progress. He likes, as soon as he hears my voice on the phone, he's like, hey, Tara, come over here. I want to show you my progress on oh, this picture. Oh, my goodness. I yeah. FaceTime every night. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, everyone has a different response to that. <laughs> oh, I, but, I love it. 
to me it's like you can never be close enough with your family (laughs) it's so true I agree with that yeah that's that's how I operate yeah I know some people maybe wouldn't wouldn't feel that way um oh that is so that's amazing yeah you're definitely like another caregiver to them and just like such an amazing advocate for them thank you yeah so yeah it's definitely shaped my interests and like feelings of service to figuring out what their next steps are for them yeah yeah it's always amazing to me to talk with their autism siblings because I feel like everyone that I have spoken with like they're just like such wonderful human beings and uh, so many of them are drawn to to work with people with autism which I just think is like incredible because that's such like you know life imitating art um but (laughs) I I think about that for my own my own daughter so that's like obviously like, I have the mom guilt in times when I feel like they're right. getting slighted or they're not getting enough attention. And I, I feel like I talk about Logan so much and I, I would talk about them just as much, but <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, like I have just as much to say about them as I do about Logan. Um, of course. I feel yeah. Like, yeah. So like I said, as, as a mom, it's like, you just, you, you have like that ache in your heart where you're like, Oh, I just want to give everyone the same amount of attention. And right. I feel bad, but then I also like, I do think about, you know, these experiences and the things that they're going through now with their brother, I just think is like shaping them into who they're going to become. And I feel like they, in, in so many ways, it's, it's just such a blessing. Yeah, it truly is. Like, um, I understand. I've heard a little bit about my mom will, I think it's definitely shaped my relationships with my parents too, in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like we are more open in talking about things like that in the future. And Um, My mom has definitely, both my parents have been like sharing parent guilt over the, over the many years. And I still feel that to this day, even Mm -hmm. we're all adults now, but um, I think they've done such a good job and I'm sure you do a good job of like making sure that there's time for everyone and like individualized time. And I think that makes a huge difference too. Mm -hmm. My parents did, like, they were very focused on making sure that my brothers had all the supports they needed and pushing them to at the same time and having high expectations for them, but also making sure that my sister and I still get to do the things that we want to do and spend time with them individually. Yeah, it'll be interesting as they get older how how my husband and I will will navigate all that because it's like now they're just so little and you know it's 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 hard to imagine yeah, yeah exactly so it's like we're just like in the thick of it now with all these little kids and and I love it so much I can't even imagine what it will be like when I have like older kids or even adults like that's my brain can't compute yeah. that far <laughs> no that's totally not. enjoy for what you have now it's it's funny how it like changes all of a sudden you realize oh we're all grown up now yes no I know yeah. for even my own family because yeah I have a an older sister and younger brother and I mean, yeah, we're old. So (laughs) when I think about that now, but although it's great now, because it's like, now we have my kids. So it's just like the circle of life. Never true. Yeah. It's like in the movie, (laughs) The Lion King. Exactly. And the Lion King. Hashtag The Lion King. Yeah. Yeah. The Lion King is honestly, because my my daughter is watching it now too with Logan and the themes in The Lion King, because my three-year-old, it's like, she wants to ask a million questions and it's like, well, what happened to the daddy? Why is he hurt? Why is Simba on his own now? Oh. And I'm like, this is too deep. This is too deep for, <laughs> yeah. for a three-year-old. I love it. But I'm like, yeah, when you look at this from like a kid's perspective, I mean, all Disney movies have like their moments. But- they do have moments of trauma. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> but Lion King especially. Like I'm like, oh my, 
Yes. Or it's like, why? Why, mom? Why? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer this anymore. Um, I don't have this answer for you. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Well, Tara, it has uh, been just a delight to get to chat with you today. You too. It seems like, thank you. You you are just like an incredible sister and I can't even put that into the, the right words. But I mean, the fact that you have taken, you know, this life with your brothers and use that to, to also help others, I just think is, is unbelievable. And I, I just feel like your parents must be so proud of you. <laughs> well, thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. No, it's the truth. And you're, you're everything that you, you continue to do for them. It sounds like you guys, I mean, your family just sounds amazing. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't met them yet. <laughs> That's okay. I, That's I was great. just saying, that you, you don't know, even like, have there's to. There's so yeah. many people that I feel like through that's like the amazing thing about like Instagram oh yeah the podcast like there's so many people I've connected with that I'm like I genuinely love these people like when I see their photos like I'm like I feel like they're my my, my, my like good friends or my family and I'm like I don't know them but for some reason it's like you just you have this like closeness it's so interesting yes. yeah I mean I, it's so true yeah. yeah I felt the same when I like saw your pictures from after the IEP meeting oh, and different birthday parties I was like yes oh, God, so cute. <laughs> it is it's so true like we are all yeah. connected in like such a, such like a deep way even though yeah like we don't even know each other but it's like we're all we're all on the same team you know yeah exactly we're all each other's people yeah. like we yeah totally. we know that deep down yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah when you find your people it's very exciting um I would love to have your mom on at some point let's like throw that universe if she would be willing to because I would love to hear her perspective um yeah. I mean, I've had a couple different you know parents with adult children but I don't think I've talked to anyone yet who is a parent with two adult children so oh, okay. that would be really interesting but thank you so much again for for taking the time and have so much fun in Disney World thank you so much yeah this is so great to chat with you today <laughs> all right Tara you take care you too bye, bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Tara. I just think she is amazing. I love hearing from the autism siblings. I was just recently talking about this over on my Instagram and just sharing how, you know, having neurotypical kids as well as, you know, Logan with autism, it's just amazing to see them growing up together and the differences, but also the things that are, that are not different and the, the way that they connect, which 
I mean, any anyone who has a sibling knows that the the relationship you have with your siblings is just so special and unlike any other. And autism or not, those bonds are incredible. And just like Tara talked about with her awesome close family. I love that. It was just, it was so nice to hear that. And I love hearing how even as adults, they still have those amazing bonds. I can only hope for that with my own kids. I also thought it was really funny how her and I talked a lot about like summer and camps and stuff. Cause we recorded this episode a couple months back when I was still researching all that stuff. And now here we are summertime and everything is actually going great. We're having a really good summer so far. So the research was worth it. Um, but like we said in the episode, I just, I wish there was more available, especially for summer. Cause I see so many people now and we're all kind of in the same boat, like sort of struggling to piece together these different programs and things. And it's, I mean, it can be done, but it's definitely work. But again, I just, I appreciate Tara coming on so much and, and sharing her experience and just all the amazing work that she is doing for her family, but also just the entire autism community. She is awesome. So definitely go follow her at Autism Grown Up. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com if you are enjoying the podcast if you just want to say hi if you would like to be a guest on the podcast definitely hit me up I'd love to hear from you but that is all for now so until next time take care